A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hey, it's Andy. This is David. And I'm Logan. Uh, This week, we're talking about Faith, Hope, and Trick, uh, which was written by David Greenwalt and directed by James A. Contner and originally aired October 13th, 1998. Before we even start, though, I wanted to give a shout out to like our 15 new Tumblr followers. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yay! We're really glad to meet you. Please send us a message anytime. A big shout out to our iTunes Anon that like always asks us really cool questions or let us know when there's a problem with our iTunes. And also a big shout out to our fan... Aaron, a.k.a. the amazing drag king Seymour Johnson, who sent me a very nice... <laughs> right, I know, it's the best drag name ever. It took me a second, I'm sorry. Who sent me a really, really great compliment about liking... She really likes that she, you know, gets to hear my voice because she is an old friend of mine. So again, new followers. Hey, how's it going? Hey, We're glad yeah. to have you here. And again, write us with questions. We're always glad to uh, get here from you. All right, now yeah. on to the episode. Okay, so this episode opens with... Uh, Willow about to take a huge step into the world of being a senior, and that is being able to leave campus for lunch. And why the fuck is Willow freaking out? Um, I don't know. She's best friends with Buffy. How many times have they cut to save the world? And how is it possible that she has an unblemished record? Uh, That I don't know. I I kind of, I understand her, her freaking out because this is a, this is a new experience. This isn't breaking a rule. This is some new thing she's not used to. I mean, I, I know it sounds weird, but I kind of get it. It's like, this is not like my regular life. My regular life involves skipping, breaking out, getting the hell out of school and killing vampires. It doesn't involve leaving campus for lunch. <laughs> But she seems to think that, you know, oh my god, they've changed the rules and I'm going to get into trouble. And it's like, come on, Willow. It's They were really oh. trying to push too hard on the Willow is quirky and, you know. Well, yeah. I like that Willow is this, like, student that, like, like Miss Goody Goody, which she hasn't been in a really long time. Though it does mm. give me the line, I like you giddy, always have. Right. Yes. Yeah, I've got some really cute lines here. He has yeah, the best sure. lines in this season. Yeah. He really does. Did anybody, uh, was anybody actually allowed to leave campus their senior year to get lunch? I was oh, not. I was. I was See, allowed really? since my junior year, yeah. This is this is another one of these, I grew up in New York, so I don't understand what the fuck you all were going through, because I was leaving, I was leaving school for lunch in seventh grade. Uh, I mean, I dropped out yeah. of high school in ninth grade, but, like, for the time I was there, I was going home for lunch, because I only lived, like, a block away from the school, so. You also live in a pretty small town. So do so did I. So does I Buffy. True. <laughs> well, that's debatable based on the features of the town. But oh yeah, we left campus all the time. It was like the trick. Can you get to Taco Bell and back before X Bell? Because you really didn't have enough time to drive and get something. But oh yeah, we went off and 
did substances that weren't quite legal. Uh, in the my senior class. year, we because at that point, like the band nerds and the course nerds would go down because our 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 band room and the course room were in a large fine arts center detached from the school. So we would go down there and eat lunch. But by senior year, they wouldn't even let us do that. We couldn't leave the cafeteria. What's but Oz and Xander drag Willow off campus, you yep. know, despite her unblemished record. And <laughs> can I just say Buffy looks fucking adorable. Like this season, this well, season, Buffy's little like hair clips. Like, I love that look. It's so 90s, but it's adorable. And I it's very 90s because she has the borderline. She has like a like a outward flipping Rachel. And honestly, sometimes it borders on a mullet, but like in a real cute way. <laughs> they all look really fantastic. Cordy's 20s inspired dropped waist dress gives me life. Willow's little Angora sweater. and her. I love the sweater. Dress. Right. That is one of my few, like one of my few fashion comments was it's like I love that sweater. That's just an adorable sweater. <laughs> it's a sweater. I'm blues my favorite color anyway, but it's just I, that's something Ed Wood would wear. Yes. Buffy in the first half of the season looked like a freaking Easter egg, and I live for it. Again, Oz gets like the best lines, and we also really see him kind of integrating himself with the group, and that he's he's just kind of there and. He's really good at being there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we find out that Buffy's been experimenting with uh, cooking, or at least cutting up prosciutto, <laughs> which isn't really cooking. And uh, Martha Stewart's no good at that. But she can slay, but she doesn't like but to. she doesn't like to. She can slay. Doesn't Anya say that she's a witch or something? She does, yes. Going on later. In no one could do that much decoupage without calling upon the black arts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sander slut shame. Yeah, before that, we get our introduction to Scott Hope. <sighs> Scott, I had so much hope for you. Yeah. And Willow Good is, again, Buffy. too fucking eager to get Buffy into a couple. And how does she know about that one th- that thing one does with one's mouth that boys like? Willow knows about this stuff? The little half yes. smile. H- half Monty. She's, wait, that's... No, the other thing. That's the next episode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Willow's on the internet. She's writing uh, Dookie Hauser fanfic. Like, you don't know what that fanfic is about. True. But she corrects herself and says, I don't mean that thing. I mean the little half smile thing. Right, yeah. right. No, I'm just, I was like, oh, you, you actually know about that other thing. Okay. <laughs> Willow Willow would do research. She's in a relationship True. now. She'd research. She'd True. bone up. I mean, no pun intended, but she would she would brush up. I'm still going with the fanfic that, you know, we oh, know yeah. in season seven that she wrote fanfic for Doogie Hauser. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Like that, that fic was all innocent. No, no, yeah. it was, it was uh, Vinny and Doogie in passionate embraces. <laughs> ew, 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 ew. I do not want to think about Neil naked ever, ever, ever. <laughs> oh, well, I, he went to our rival high school. I actually knew Neil Patrick Harris in high school. So I just like, have no desire to think about Neil Okay. Um, and yeah, Xander really deserved to be hit by Buffy. Like, sure. Oh yeah, my second note is, shut up Xander. Oh, Buffy hurts him. Oh. Good. <laughs> <laughs> he's not like being serious when he says it, but there's, I don't think it's ever appropriate for a dude to call a girl a slut even if it's a joke. Uh, I mean, especially because it's Xander. You know, if it had been someone else, I, Oz probably would never have done it. Neither would no. Us, but like, 
if it had been a certain one of my friends that said that, I'd be like, ah, oh, you're so cute, but you are too, move along. But not Xander, because he makes inappropriate comments constantly. So. Well, like, I mean, like, if we're going to talk about a dude who can get away with, you know, calling a girl a slut, maybe a drag queen. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's. Well, that was your friends. Yeah. Friends. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's especially with everything that Buffy has gone through that Xander knows about. Buffy does not go to say hi to Scott Hope. And I'm wondering if like Xander's comment might have something to do with it. So we move on to the next scene and it's uh, a limo driving up to a burger drive through And we're introduced to our villains, Kakistos, and more importantly, Mr. Trek. Love him. Woo. Yep. <laughs> I love his like 1990s executive vampire realness. Yes. No, right. I think um, we've uh, really kind of progressed in the years with our uh, vampire villains because we had the master who was like totally ancient old school and Spike is like the 70s punk anarchy and Mr. Trek is just like smooth tech and stats. And like, Angel um, and Jealous is just all pure chaos and things i would almost fit him in with the old school yeah he is uh, pretty old school yeah he is he is pretty old school but yeah yeah he's well yeah, he's um, kind of sort of transitional because he's he's old school in in demeanor but he doesn't have the respect for ritual and and tradition yeah but in this we really get this the dichotomy of the old school with the tech because we've got Kikistos who is basically the master's like equal he is as mm -hmm. close as we ever get to a vampire who's like the master because he is the only one who's old enough that he's started to turn into like a pure demon mm -hmm. and is not like killed by conventional means well mr trick i get the impression mr trick is you know probably from maybe around the 50s or 60s i would say possibly even later i mean just his whole his whole business sense seems really modern. I mean, it's like yeah, a fifties like I mean, a fifties executive would not be talking like this. But I mean, people change. I mean, even vampires I, can change. I mean, it's right? possible. Sort of like maybe you know, um, I don't know when he's from. He does mm -hmm. seem very very modern, but. If he's smart enough to be around for a while and have all these plans, and maybe it's the eighties, maybe it's, you know that very executive greed is good. Not that someone of yeah. his melanin color would actually have had a chance to be an executive realness person, but in the 50s, but so, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he has to have a little bit of age on him to be able to build up that he is kind of someone to be reckoned with. People are following him, so yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but, you know, he's young enough that, you know, he is very, he will very much embrace this kind of stuff. And he's just awesome, like... K. Todd Freeman, who plays him, was actually the runner-up to play Spike. Ooh, really? Uh, it, it was <gasps> between him and James Marsters, and they went for James Marsters. Oh, Lord, that changes everything. So is that why he, he, he sticks around significantly in this season? He, I mean, with, with the way he's introduced, he seems like he's going to be a big character, but he... He he's, makes his place. He's mm -hmm. a little yeah. bad. He's the little bad. Like we've talked about in the season wrap up. He's the little bad before the big bad. Yes. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. He does get to stick around a little while. And I mean, we will see this uh, later on in 
the casting of characters, oh. and that Joss Whedon will hold on to char- to actors that he likes, but not for that particular. Is this role. when Spike was still going to be Southern? Yes. Okay, yeah. so that's why K. Todd Friedman was okay before they decided to make him English. Gotcha. Fascinating. Indeed. Okay. Sorry, y'all. I have gone off into a world of my own. <laughs> you want to grab that Rick and Morty portal gun to go to the dimension I where plans. he did play Spike? Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 It'd be good. I-, I love the way that they frame this, where M- Mr. Trick, when you first see him, you don't actually realize that he's a vampire. Right. Because, I mean, you kind of realize that the guy next to him is some sort of demon, and that's why you can't see him. But he's just kind of this slick awesome suit wearing guy yeah right and then it's not until he's like now i'm hungry and he grabs the 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 fast food kid out the window which is a great you know killing scene it's a Um, good scene all overall i mean it just really it introduces him really well and it sets him up perfectly this episode has to introduce a lot of characters Mm -hmm. into it and a lot of recurring characters and david greenwald did a really good job of establishing who they are immediately like the first scene they're in you know exactly who that person is yes very much so uh i do have a question though like well first of all date stamp 89 cents for a fountain soda really wow yeah what do you mean that seems cheap (laughs) really really how much how much well i live in new york i was gonna say I, i will get a large um fountain ginger ale and it is 79 cents Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. The, at the at the well, then I have my okay. But now I think you got a medium. But I still have my pedant point. Why doesn't the guy give uh, Mister Trick change? Why didn't Mister Trick pay him in the first place? He does. He does. He hands I him a dollar. That. Hands him a dollar and doesn't get change. Huh? That's has he had mean. him? Has he handed him the oh, soda shit. yet? Yeah. Um, I don't know. No, I don't think he gives him the soda, but he does pay. Oh, he, he might have Trick handed does. him the soda and then the change. I don't know. Does it matter? He's dead now. And frankly, as they drive away, that mascot is the scariest thing in this episode. I was going to say, yeah. it's like, wow, that's yikes. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> that is not a name brand restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you can't franchise something that that's, 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 that's scary. Jim's House of Horror and Burgers. (laughs) Ooh, actually, you know what? Never changed my mind. I'm into it. (laughs) I'm sorry. No mascot's ever going to compare to the Loa in Angel. Oh, Um, that thing is great. (laughs) Um, But we get our opening credits and then go to Buffy's, you know, guilty dream sequence. Oh, so much angst. So much melodrama. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired of Dream Angel at this point. Yes. (laughs) Isn't that a song? No, that's Earth Angel. <laughs> that's Earth Angel. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I got it. Is the crushing of the ring in the fist just like melodrama, or is it like a hint to, hey, pretty soon here, I'm gonna have this ring embedded in my body because <laughs> PTV dropped me on it, <laughs> and it's my, it's my, that's my personal opinion that it was not the first. We'll get, we, we will, we will get to the end of this <laughs> episode later. Uh, but yeah, no. I... Honestly, like all of these Angel James, this is the third one we've had, and it's like they're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Big love, big loss. Buffy feels guilty. Angel actually wearing something other than black, yeah. but Just only because we got to see the big, you know, like bleeding wound. So right. let's put them in white. <laughs> I always thought it was because uh, uh, Boreanis got pretty cut between the two seasons. They were like, yeah, that. Well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> 
But Buffy wakes up and she pulls the ring out of her drawer so she can look at it. And, and then we get Joyce, who's all... I really like Joyce. Peak and, Joyce. In Peak this scene. Joyce. In this scene. She's gonna... Mm. I'm gonna have words with her later, but like... Joyce, Joyce is great in the scene with Snyder. She's... Yeah, yeah actually... She is so petty sitting in the background as Buffy tears Snyder down. She's just like, <laughs> she learned that from me. They are so united in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is like it's the perfect mother-daughter bond scene. I'm like, there's yes. the Joyce I like. And she said, na 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 Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I'm like, yeah, you're definitely Buffy's mom. And Buffy's a lad back in school. Yay. Huzzah. Mm-hmm. And she has all of these hoops she has to jump through to be able to to stay in school. But it doesn't really make any sense because we're already told that she's allowed back in school because the school bard said she could. Right. So it's kind of just like this thing we're going to throw in because we need to use it. I mean, I understand the makeup exams for sure. Like, I, I I get, I get erasing the incompletes you have on your transcript but the other stuff mm-hmm. i'm like really i think really? the other stuff is mostly there so we can have subplot for the next episode and catalyzing event one of the catalyzing events in homecoming so right yeah mm-hmm. i mean you know points to them they do at least carry through with the storyline i mean even if they don't pay too much attention to it because let's face it it's a fucking boring storyline but buffy's back in school and he's already with Willow going to the library to see Giles. Giles. <clears throat> Giles, Giles, Giles. Just get her a therapist. Stop doing what you're doing. You're doing it badly. Get her a therapist. At least he's doing something. Thank you. I, yeah. In my opinion, a lot of what happens this season could have been avoided. And also, why is it Joyce? I mean, would... we know that she can't tell a therapist everything. But mm-hmm. why isn't, yeah, Joyce and Giles should be like, I think we need to get you some therapy. Well, she is being made to see a counselor. True. By the school. True. Yeah, at the school. But I mean, it's a start. I mean, if you go from there to therapy, that would make we sense. Will but talk more about counselors in the next episode. Yes, that is true. We have true. thoughts about that. I'm actually going to give Giles a lot of credit. Absolutely. He because he's trying something. He is. and he And the great thing about it is that not only does he just know Buffy well enough to know that coming back from this, she's going to shove it down and not deal with it. But he sees what she's going through. He yeah. sees how she's struggling. And he absolutely does want to do something. But getting her to talk about it once? Okay. Not enough. I just, man, my heart breaks for Buffy all the time. I'm real defensive. Yeah. Mm. It, at least he does make an attempt. And we don't mm. know if he does try to talk to her more about it later. Yeah. And he does it in a way that it's like when she's ready and he's not like... Yeah. Up in her grill, wanting her to talk about it. Or like Willow, up in her grill, like, everything will be fine if you just date someone new. Yeah, that's very somebody in their first relationship. Bless her. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about Willow a little bit more. Because we're already getting... Yep. I I mean, maybe it's because I'm so colored by everything that I know what's going to come with Willow (laughs) later on. But I'm already hating her. Oh. And this is like, 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 this is like season three Willow was when I was just deeply, deeply in love with her. Like, this is when I realized just like, holy shit, like, my feelings are not just that uh, I admire her as a person. It's like, no, I'm fucking bi as fuck. I think I'm like, uh, bi. <laughs> a little bi. Yeah. And 
But now going back and watching it and seeing her, it's like she is way too fucking eager to do magic. And she is already addicted. And Giles has every reason to be worried. And she's trying to deflect. Sure. Giles sees himself in Willow. Bookish. Oh, yeah. And then totally. you have a kind of power and a way to contribute that is bigger than yourself. And he sees how easily you can get lost in it. I don't know if his tact, the I forbid it tact, is the best way to do it. Because what's that going to do to a 16-year-old? Y'all can't see my hands doing the grabby motion, but it's doing the grabby motion. Mm-hmm. He but, also never really addresses it with her besides a few cluck, cluck noises and like, Will, you shouldn't yeah. do that. Willow, you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, she's not his slayer. She's not really his responsibility. Mm. But at the, I, I, I said, I, mm. you didn't let me finish. Making the Logan's <laughs> making a face at me. But yeah. there is a certain amount, and we're going to talk about this more <clears throat> in just a few minutes when we get to Faith. There's a lot of adults not taking any responsibility or any care for their teenage charges. Like the entire Watchers Council? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Giles really is, I mean, you can't say it just from this scene, but overall... In terms of Willow's magic use, I think Giles is a little... Well, A, I think he is responsible for her in this sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, he's sort of the... he He's the responsible figure in the supernatural world for these kids. Mm-hmm. And that just is his... It, it may not be the position he's he wanted to be in, but it's the position he's in. But also, he doesn't... As you say, he kind of, like, forbids Willow to do this stuff, but he doesn't really look at what the results of that are and then go, maybe this isn't working and maybe I should try something else. And as much as I love him, Giles is a little bit emotionally constipated. He's not Mm. Mr. Big Feelings. You know, he's like kind of British and repressed. As, as Willow points out in this scene. So that, that is definitely Mm. part of it. Like he's not, I mean, he, he's really loving and gentle with Buffy and, but they're not having giant feelings discussions. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's not who he is. So maybe he just doesn't know how to. Well, as far as him taking responsibility for her, where her magic is concerned, he ultimately does. He's a large part of her rehabilitation come between season six and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, uh, I think it goes without saying that, you know, we're just we're just picking things apart. But frankly, I could have seen things going differently had he I mean, obviously, he's got a lot on his plate. But in that, he also knows a lot of people if he had done for her what he didn't have for himself, which was teacher responsible use, which is... Well, essentially, he mentored her. Maybe if he had actually gotten, like, what is Althania, I think is the name of the witch that ends up mentoring her between six and seven. Mm -hmm. If he had, like, maybe gotten her and, like, brought her to Sunnydale and be like, hey, why don't you teach this young witch? Or, I don't know, it doesn't seem like Willow's parents give a shit about her, so why doesn't <laughs> Willow go to summer camp in England? I mean, Willow could have, Willow's parents would have thought that looked great on a college application, some kind of computer summer camp. That was my quote <laughs> finger. Some kind of study you know, abroad, yeah. <laughs> you know, and also now that I'm thinking about it, I just have this other deal. Giles is still having to deal with the expectation of what, he was trained to do, which is be this mm. watcher and this kind of remote, not getting emotionally invested in your slayer to being this person with like the responsible party for a whole pack of teenagers that he yeah. was never trained to do. You know, it's not like he had teacher training on sensitivity to teenagers, you know. And we will get further into things about the Watchers Council 
later in this episode yeah. because I have a lot of feelings about I the Watcher's Council. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm imagining all uh, the Watchers going through sensitivity training. They're so British. <laughs> and I imagine, like, so imperialist that that would yeah. be real interesting. The gang ends up going to the bronze and hooray for Willow and Oz just make it out. Just Right? Like, flat out make it out. Woohoo. Buffy's like, don't let me interrupt. And I'm like, do you want to sit there and watch this? What do you mean by that statement? <laughs> Maybe yeah. she does. I mean, they're both really cute. Yeah. Truth. Yeah. And we get a so cello. Oh, on I think, stage. Yeah. I think this is our first first classical instrument on at the bronze. <laughs> well, the band that is playing at the bronze is Darling Violetta. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, who uh, did the angel theme? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I I think there's a cello in the angel theme. <laughs> Maybe you think. And Scott comes to the bronze and admits that he's there basically just to meet Buffy. Because and, Willow oh my, told him to. Oh my god, mm. Willow is so fucking pushy. Like, has Willow actually asked Buffy if she likes Scott? No. No. Is Willow wrong that Buffy likes Scott? No. Um, is she? Like, I mean, like... I don't think Will. I mean, Buffy dislikes Spike. He seems that Spike. Uh, not Spike. I'm sorry. Scott, you don't need I'm your little like you're getting ahead of yourself. Slip there. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. We know how you feel about Buffy. I know. I don't think she dislikes Spike. God damn it! I did it again. Dislikes I don't think Buffy Scott. dislikes Scott. Thank you. I was reading fanfic this weekend, okay? Mm-hmm. It's on my brain. I, But no, I know exactly what you're saying. You don't think she dislikes him, but you don't think she's put much thought into whether or not she actually likes him. She likes him because he's normal. Yeah. Because he's not angel. Teenagers often start liking someone because they like them first. Yeah. Like, I remember this. Like, mm-hmm. well, guy's totally, oh, he's showing interest. Okay. And then all of a sudden, I like him too, even though... Do I really like him or do I just like him because mm-hmm. the person likes me and is interested in me and I have poor self-esteem? Oh, wait, that's just me. Keep moving. <laughs> As usual, I like Oz a lot more in this scene because Willow's being super pushy, but all Oz says is bonus points for using mosey, which is a really good word. It is I a good love word. the word yeah. mosey. Mm-hmm. I actually like it because it's very close to my last name. So I will often, you know, um, transpose them so mm-hmm. mosey is a is a is a word that i'm particularly personally fond of yeah mm-hmm. here echoes of it in uh, season four with with hoot and nanny yes good, yeah good little bit to his he's quirky <clears throat> yes he is Oz. yes legitimately quirky yeah legitimately not like fake hipster quirky right, right? no no yeah. he comes by his quirks honestly <laughs> yeah for sure yeah and uh then xander and cordy come over and i'm also gonna we called out xander before and i'm gonna call Call out cordy Cordy for it now Mm -hmm. for this slut shaming shut up some more cordy like here's here's me going cordy are you mad because she's getting attention because you're wearing about as much clothing as she is yeah what's happening here you look great and her pants are a monstrosity I mean, I mean, like, nothing, like, Faith's outfit is actually, it's iconic at this point because it is the first thing we saw Faith in. It's not particularly slutty, but it's pretty goddamn ugly with the oh, little so things, like, the little the boob window and the, uh-huh. the things hanging down. It's uh-huh. weird. It's so nice. Like, that's, yeah, it's 90s, though, man. That's I, I thought it was ugly in the 90s. I thought it was, too, but it was something I would have seen in a store or at a club, for sure. Here is something that I will admit. 
like we I've talked a lot about different fashion on Buffy. The two characters that I've probably taken the most fashion cues from, and y'all gonna find it really weird because you couldn't find two different characters. It's Faith and Tara. That's where I get most of my fashion from. I love Tara's clothes. So I love Faith's fashion, but this first outfit is fucking tragic. I, I'm kind of bummed I, I used up all my fashion interest on Willow's sweater at the beginning of the episode. I'd love to comment on this, but... <laughs> I but it's not particularly sweaty. Too, but, um... It's not. Like, and even if, if she were completely naked, the point would be moot because well, yeah. we're not about you, that life here. Yeah, we don't, you don't, don't slut shame. Let's bad Cordy. Just I, shut it, you up. Know, frequently happens mm-hmm. on this show. They, these people say terrible things yeah. yes. about people that are, you know what I mean? If they're not one of your friends, all of a sudden they're like a slutty whatever. Yeah. And this gets leveled at Faith a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, Faith does have her problems with sex, which we will get into later on. But the fact that she enjoys it should not be one of them. <clears throat> Absolutely mm-hmm. not. But we get to see Buffy use her Slayer observational skills. And it's yes. like the first time we've seen this since, like, Welcome to the Owlmouth. Pretty much, yeah. Right, and that was about fashion, too. Like, yeah. I don't even know if it's Slayer yeah. observation skills or just <laughs> fashion obs. Like, that is not on point. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I I mean, I like that she's able to do that. Well, because, I mean, it's it's partially fashion. It's the way he's dancing because he's, like, disco dancing. Oh, oh is yeah, that what the... he is? Because he looks like one of those um, inflatable things you see outside. <laughs> of yeah, like, he, he's doing, like, this. He's doing this and the... he's doing the John Travolta but... point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, he's sort of, um, but that actually ties back into what Buffy says in the movie where she's like, and my keen fashion sense. Yes. <laughs> you yep. know, that is a characteristic that has stayed with all iterations of Buffy. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And, but it was really nice to be able to see it again. I can't really think of another mm-hmm. time when it comes up. I hope, hope it does. But right now it's like, I, I think don't this might think is, I think this is it. Yeah, <laughs> but you know maybe the vamps are like you know getting on board with it oh the slayer always catches us out when we don't dress well so like don't wear your 70s clothes out right now right don't wear your 70s clothes of course what's really funny is that spike has been wearing the same fucking jacket since 1977 true but it's an iconic classic jacket that you could wear in multiple eras that that jacket Fair. never goes out very, of style it's very it's very punk rock too yeah you know so it's sort of like not i would beg to differ i think after 1999 the dark okay. trench coat probably You're went right. right out the window yes okay yeah. speaking mm. of school changes and buffy goes out to uh, uh stop this vampire having her little awkward moment with scott uh and again we get we know exactly who faith is yeah. In this scene, it it's it is so clearly set up who she is, and it's mm. it's a great intro, and it's so iconic. It's it's such a great entrance. I do have one problem, of course, because I'm me. What? Why? Well, do, okay. Why doesn't Faith have a stake? Where would she's she she's hunting vampires. She's clearly hunting vampires. She does not have a stake on her. <laughs> I think that's part of Faith's, like you know, joie de vivre. You know, she. She wants to fight vampires in like a very, you know, devil may care way. So she's like, I'm going to use my environment. <sighs> All right. Would you have preferred her to pull a tiny stake out of her boob window? 
<laughs> yeah, I think it's more of a resourcefulness thing. She's like, there's got to be some Something pallet right or some bullshit here I can stab somebody with. So I guess that's the first example of Faith just being a really bad slayer. <laughs> or a really yeah. reckless person. A reckless, she's a well, reckless that too. person. We know that she's looking for Buffy. Mm. So I think almost that she wants to, you know, she knows that Buffy is there. Because mm. she clearly has had research on Buffy before she's right. gone there. So maybe she knows that she hangs out at the Bronze. So she's gone to the Bronze specifically to find Buffy. Like, I mean, we've seen Faith fight. We know that Faith, if she wanted to take out that guy really quickly, she didn't need to lure him out into a fucking alley and be like, oh, you're going to, you know, you know, bite me, you know. <laughs> I Faith, It's basically Faith going like, hey, Buffy, do you see how cool I am? Look how cool I am. Yes, that's exactly. Mm-hmm. Basically, are you, yeah, looking? Are you watching? Okay, cool, cool. Let's yeah. flirt later. And having no and no understanding of what Buffy would think is cool. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, also <laughs> at this sense. point, Faith has been the Slayer for all of four-ish months. Is this true? is one thing that kind of bothers me about everything in Faith's backstory, and that she's. Uh, this episode, let's presume that it's set when it's aired. So it's the middle of October and she became the Slayer in the middle of May. So she has only been the Slayer for a couple of months. How has she had time to build up all of these stories and this like huge rivalry with Kakistos? Did some of these stories happen when she was a potential? I think some of it is Faith making shit up, honestly. Oh, really? The alligators and the wrestling. Ugh. I don't like. Is that not Kistos? No, that's a different. Is it? Because she says nobody gave me more trouble than that damn vampire, or whatever. I don't. I mean, I. I don't know outright lying, but that like I want approval and I want you guys to think I'm cool, so I'm gonna make up, Mm -hmm. not make up or like exaggerate stories to make you think I was cooler. I I don't. I, I don't put it past faith to outright lie, and I'm not taking that as a criticism of her. Someone from her background and emotional trauma tends to sometimes do that as a defense mechanism. Mm. I don't know. Just a theory. It's very in character for Faith to embellish um, as a way to ensure that people see her as a valid Faith. And has a, a lot tough of, girl. It's her yeah, tough Faith girl has a lot thing. of security issues, so uh, that mm-hmm. scans for me, honestly. Like, was she really mm-hmm. naked when that preacher came up to her? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't think mm-hmm. so. Hold yeah, and, and Faith just, yeah, she has she has this mythology about herself that she's always, as we hear here for the first time, and we'll hear again a lot, five by five. Mm-hmm. She is, five she is, five she's just fine. She is, like, <laughs> no matter what happens, she's fine. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 of course, know that's not true, but... <laughs> and I think, it, I mean, Faith is younger than Buffy. Okay, I mm-hmm. have that on my list of questions. I have scoured the internet for the actual canon is she younger or is she older or i are they the same age i've never gotten a clear answer on that yeah. i always assumed she was a little older i mean there's a there, i think there's a lot of different schools of thought on it i think that sometimes she's considered older because of uh she's a lot more sexualized than but she's Buffy also is. living alone in a hotel room yeah which i have issues with which one is older is it um I mean, I know it doesn't, with actresses, it does not really, you know, matter, right. but... Eliza was actually a teenager. Yeah, no, no, Eliza, Eliza was... was I thought. So... 
Yeah, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think that uh, she might be. In fact, I think this may be, like, one of her first roles as playing an adult. As yeah, such, because um, I know she's she's the daughter in True Lies. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I just looked it up. Eliza is three years younger than than Sarah. Um, and granted, Sarah looks very young. Also, in this, I mean, compared to the way Faith looks later on, Faith's a baby in this episode. She looks so young here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, young, but also older. She's one of those, and I I know exactly what it is. You look older. Because of your demeanor, the way you dress, so people mm. assume you know what's going on or can handle yourself when really you are a baby. Which yeah. is like the entire point of Faith's arc this season. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know yeah. what? When Faith first came on the show, I didn't like her. Like, I did yeah. not like Faith at all when I was 23 years old. Um, and I think it's because Eliza's acting style is just kind of different than mm-hmm. Sarah's, and I know a lot of people give her shit for not being as good of an actress. I, I don't think that's true. And coming at this from, like, an adult mm. perspective, where I, I'm, like, old enough to be both Buffy and... I, I'm old enough to be these characters' moms, like, easily. Mm-hmm. My perspective on Faith is, Faith is so different this time around and, and just in general, I think, for the last couple of years. One of the things that points me towards faith being younger is um was it the crucium crucium that mm. we're introduced to in helpless and i have like i have that written down in my notes it's like i think it's a plot hole i honestly think it's a plot hole is it she never went through it because she's not 18 yet is it she never went through it because by the time she was turning 18 like she had already gone off the rails and was working for the mayor or did Buffy warn her that it was coming? So when she did, you know what I mean? It's just like one of those, I think it's a plot hole. I'm going to guess that Faith is maybe 17 or just turning 17. So maybe like six months to a year younger than Buffy. Uh, But she is somebody who's had to grow up very fast and we will find out a little bit of her history in this season and we'll find out even more in the angel and faith comics but she she's got had a really rough life really really rough yeah the thing we learn off the bat in this episode is that her mom is dead moving on because i mean there's a lot in this scene we also get the the famous line about uh slaying making you hungry and horny (laughs) yes i know when i go out to slay I'm, i'm both you know well buffy might be trying to deny it but like, yeah, a lot of her sexual encounters happen after fights. Mm. And Dawn says in Wrecked, Buffy's such a pig after she kills something. <laughs> yeah, it definitely seemed like Buffy denying it just to be like, oh, I'm not like her. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, w- I was always very I always kept that um, that line in mind when I was writing Connor. I always I always liked that that fighting made him hot. Because <laughs> um, it totally would, uh, and uh, Cordelia, um, looking righteously pissed for this. Oh man, Xander's awful. I would have been gone. Me too. Deuces. Yeah. Like, mm, mm. and she, she looks fucking... so good in that red dress. Oh my gosh, damn she's fool. so sexy. <laughs> it's like Xander is like he's dating one of the hottest girls Ever? in Sunnydale. Ever. Yes, ever. 
Mm-hmm. And he's instead, it's just like, oh, no, new girl. Mm-hmm. New girl mm-hmm. I can hit on. Well, it's the Slayer thing. I mean, as they joke about later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Little bit of a plot hole. I mean, granted, Buffy's mind is on other things, but she didn't kill the three Darla did. Mm. Oh, yeah. And also, even if she had killed the three, um, the master, the judge, Luke, I'd say even Mrs. French, Miss French was more difficult than the three. Yeah. Yes. Like, I, mean, I mean, the three are played up as all that, but they're really not. <laughs> and a bag of chips. I, I mean, did she, she, uh, she never really fought. She ran from them. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe that's why that's what they bring up is <laughs> that's yeah. Are you gonna bring them up? Okay, good. Subject change. I do like when Oz says, "I got bit." <laughs> it's a little. How, how do you okay, feel about not, werewolves? Not so complicated, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and Faith's just really cool about it. Yeah, it's she's like, pretty yeah. chill. She's like, "All right, yeah. I mean, don't hump my leg. We're good." Yeah, <laughs> Faith meeting Giles. Oh yeah. yeah. I my I love that scene. I love that scene because when uh, Faith does her, if I knew they made him this young and cute, and you know Buffy's like anybody else at you, and Will's in the background going, "Nope, mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. smirking, yeah, <laughs> she's like, nope, 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 no, all that poetry. I mean, and Giles' mm-hmm. flustered face is adorable. Yes, glasses wipe them all. Oh. It's super cute, but also, but it's also super problematic. Not problematic. It, yeah, it's. It, well, I mean, it's it's disturbing that if, I mean, even if she is slightly older than Buffy, if she's like, you know, already 18, she's still openly flirting with a grown man mm-hmm. and comfortable enough doing it that clearly she's been doing this for a very long time. Again, Faith is is looking for somebody to care about her. Um, I don't want to default to the disgusting notion of daddy issues or anything like that, but Faith is looking for someone who will care about her selflessly. I think that's why she winds Mm -hmm. up so um, attached to the mayor. And I mean, I think it's just uh, at this point kind of, and honestly, given her history and her life, uh, the way she can get shit done is to use her sexuality and um use her attitude and use her personality because it's very forceful um Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's just the way she's used to dealing with men regardless of age i'm not saying this is a blanket statement i'm saying from like what i know and my background and some of the psychology stuff girls that get sexualized early on and who sexualize themselves to that level it tends to point it's a red flag to really look at what kind of abuse yeah. she suffered mm-hmm. in her path past, because that happens a great deal. And I'm any sort of abuse, whether the whatever mm-hmm. kind that that kind of sexual acting out is usually a big warning sign for professionals to say, okay, we really need to look at what kind of trauma they've gone yeah. through. I'm going to bet if like, we know that her, both of her parents drank like it would not surprise me if they had drinking buddies over who made like super fucking inappropriate comments at faith when she was like 12 mm. 13 
when she's in her formative years and this is just something that she's internalized into herself and you know is acting out on now right even if you are not abused sexually in that way if you are sexualized at a very early age you sometimes start to see that that is your only value yeah this is how you get validation this is how you get attention personal note That is exactly how I viewed myself for many, many, many years because I developed very, very early when I was like 11 or 12. And so for Mm -hmm. many, many years, especially being in an acting profession, which is based on your looks, I thought my only value was what I looked like. And so I Mm -hmm. totally, Mm -hmm. totally, I mean, obviously I do not have a bad family background. Like I have great family background, but who never told me my looks were all that important. It Mm -hmm. was external forces. So Mm -hmm. like I totally get it. They've made this huge thing about Buffy not being allowed on the school grounds because she wasn't enrolled. How is mm-hmm. Faith able to just walk around school? Ah. I think nobody's paying attention. It's like Buffy, okay. like, <laughs> Snyder knows what Buffy looks like, but Faith is just another student. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's, just, it's just been such a big plot element for the last couple episodes that I'm like, it kind of stood out to me. Buffy's had a spotlight on her, though, and Snyder has Mm -hmm. made it his specific mission to make her life horrible. And so Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's paying that much attention to the other students on campus. But Willow and Xander take Faith around the school and we get some nice little nods to previous episodes. Mm -hmm. And Cordelia wants to know if she should dress up like a slayer for Xander. And Xander's a sub, isn't he? Yes. Hundred percent. You kidding me? (laughs) and willow's kind of an asshole because like she's been like so like gung-ho about like setting up buffy and scott and then Mm -hmm. in like two seconds she's just like oh maybe scott and faith should get together and she's just like not like just i want to come to her defense you know i will Uh, (laughs) i don't think she's an asshole i mean she's an asshole but she's an asshole in the way that 16 year olds are assholes Mm -hmm. i agree attention span of a goldfish i agree enough and willow's getting some so she's got all these like little hormone soaked brain and she's just like everybody should feel like this mm. <laughs> and i'm gonna make I it know, happen yeah. she's emma and in these moments she's Cher horowitz like i mean you know yeah she's a kid and we got a brief scene of mr trick again just being super clever for a demon he, he knows the right way to be a demon global plan question for techie the the specs he's giving do those mean a damn thing these days? I mean, is that like a floppy disk sort of anything? I have no idea what he's I, I really wasn't paying much attention. <laughs> so. I listened to it. It didn't sound too embarrassing. Yeah, oh. no, I mean, it, it, it. nothing jumped out at me and went, no, this is totally ridiculous. So that's where they put their research? Or is it just people who would naturally come by it, I guess? I, I don't know. I was just curious as if that was uh, what he was saying was going to date him horrendously. As far as the capabilities of his future vampire mm. tech empire. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think definitely yes, because yeah. like it's no talking about like Wi-Fi and shit like that. It's like T3 mm-hmm. lines and, and that kind of stuff. But I mean, it, it's def- I, I don't don't think anything will ever get as bad as Chandler Bing talking about his laptop's capabilities. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, certain, certainly it's dated, but it's not the worst data. Oh god no. It's the clothes. Just curious. And then we uh go to dinner with Joyce. I actually like I like Joyce in this scene. I do too. I get it. Because she sees at what like here's the thing. She sees an opportunity for her child, her sole focus, the love of her life, and it gets to be that way because Joyce becomes a more well written character. Um, to 
have opportunities and to not be in danger all the time. Like Joyce understands, mm-hmm. especially now after after um, what Dead Man's Party, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. understands the peril her daughter is in, yeah. and she wants better gentler kinder things for her kid and she sees that opportunity now that opportunity comes at the expense of another child being in danger but here we are my issue with joyce and giles is that okay even if she was 18 they are allowing a young person a teenager to live on her own like look at the way faith is eating in those scenes like she doesn't really hasn't eaten she like it's like a person like faith is like i better shove things in my face because I don't know when I'm going to get another meal. Why are they allowing this? Even after, especially after they find out her watcher's dead. Well, I mean, like, that's the point. Like, at this point, I have no problem with Giles and Joyce not doing anything about Faith because they think that she is just visiting. True, true, true. But, I mean, later on, it's kind of less acceptable. The thing with Joyce is Faith is not Joyce's responsibility. Uh, and she does make some attempts to bring Faith into the house. We'll see she that in amends. Christmas. Very quickly, Faith does get taken out of the, the picture. Giles, it's a little less acceptable. But, I mean, it's also really... Oh, the Watchers cancel. <laughs> <laughs> the social worker in me just gets her hackles up so much about Faith and her journey and where she is. So I, I just... Uh... Again, that's just my personal stuff, I think, coming forward. Well, I mean, we don't know, like, if Faith is 18 yet or if she is an emancipated minor, which is personally my guess. I imagine she probably lived with a watcher. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, aren't all slayers that aren't Buffy, that don't have families, potentials that are taken away from their family, basically in the care and guardianship of the Watcher's Council? I mean, I'm sure the Watcher's Council must have some legal things that they go through because i don't know i don't know i just always assumed that they were that guardianship was the watcher's council yeah we do see that uh kennedy and several other of the potentials were living with their watchers but we don't get like the the legal way that it happens personally i do go for more of an emancipated minor thing so that the watchers are not actually legally responsible for the slayers and especially somebody like faith who we know comes from this rough background Mm -hmm. that it wouldn't surprise me if they if they had gone through that i do agree faith does eat like she doesn't know where her next meal is coming Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if they did that to be like "Eh, it's a sloppy mess or if that was in genuinely their intention to be like hey um someone pay attention to this kid is anybody in it? No? Okay. Cool. <laughs> I mean, her so. whole journey through this season is very much about... it's a, They're mirrors. They're mirrors for yeah. each other. I also want to give... I put this in my notes. A big shout out to Cynthia Bergstrom, the costume designer in this. Because mm-hmm. you've mm-hmm. got Buffy in these Easter egg colors and then Faith in the like dark red tones. Um, They're playing up Buffy's innocence. And I don't mean in terms of sexual purity, but <laughs> in the way that she's come from this very middle class atmosphere and they have her in a lot of light colors especially in this scene where faith is eating at the table and buffy's basically an easter Mm -hmm. egg again uh juxtaposed and i think that's like a really i think the costuming in this episode Mm. not just because they look pretty but just because of the production juxtaposition is really really brilliant so excellent shout out to the costume designer there I would never say this in in general terms, but in comparison to Faith, Buffy's led a relative, a comparatively sheltered life. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. That they're playing that up. And I hadn't noticed the costume thing, but I, I think you're right. They they are pushing the, and, and I guess maybe setting up sort of a light and dark motif. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they are. Yeah, for sure. We got a little off track when it came to Joyce. And so I want to talk mm. about Joyce in this scene. I actually agree with most of what Joyce is saying here. A lot of Buffy's reactions to Faith are very much like, my new little sister is copying me and I can't stand her. Well, as she says, she's getting single white female. Except she's not. She's really no, not. But, but, that, but that's how she sees it. It's, yeah. 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 Buffy line, is very much overreacting at this point. Like, we will find mm-hmm. out later that there is more going on with Faith, but I don't think that's why Buffy is reacting the way she is. This is not intuition that is spurring Buffy on. She's nope. just. She's being, she's being a teenager. Also, I mean, we're coming off all the shit that just went down in Dead Man's Party. Absolutely. And she's just getting echoes of that. Yeah. Where basically everyone is coming down on her for everything. And now everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, Faith, hey, welcome. It's And then like, Buffy's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying she consciously thinks that through, but. Oh, well, I mean, doesn't she kind of say it? She said, I just got my life back. I'm not looking to go have these on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Though, Joyce, I mean, and it's really funny, and I wonder what it's like in the rewritten universe, but it's probably good you were an only child. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, uh, is this where we start getting our first hints of season five? Uh, uh, yes. And Dawn's yeah. introduction? By the, by the end of the season, we'll yeah. be getting some hints of the season five. Hmm. Little Sister's coming, and it's brightest before Seven, the dawn. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And Joyce finds out that Buffy died, and it's... I think her reaction is completely understandable. She's horrified. Oh, yeah. But she's not going overboard with it. She's not being like, you know, you've got to stop being the slayer. She's just being super honest. I hate that you have to do this. Mm-hmm. She's not telling Buffy not to do it. She's just like, I, I hate that you, I don't want you to die. Which is quite reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <yep. laughs> I'm fascinated by Buffy's reactions. Like, I'm not going to, when she goes, I'm not going to die. It's like, okay, A, you've already died. B, you are going to die again, but you'll wait until after Joyce is dead to do it. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like, you don't know I'm going to die. That's <laughs> just, yeah. ah. <laughs> I did notice that when Buffy goes patrolling with Faith, she's wearing her sad hoodie. Aww. She is. I mean, it's not super sad. I think it's her functional well, it's, hoodie, it, but yeah. It's her functional hoodie, but it is, uh, but it is what she usually wears when she's sad. And when she's staking the vampire, the wood she uses is really blunt. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the incongruities we get uh, sometimes of the Slayer's powers in that Buffy couldn't put a stake far enough in the cookie stoves for it to matter, but Faith somehow completely skewered him with a beam. Yeah. <laughs> I, y'all, you, you have comparable power. I don't understand this. Happening. But I get why for... for dramatic effect and it was great it's really funny in the comics they've introduced new vampires yeah because like it's a long story but magic was destroyed and then magic came back and so vampires that are made now are from a different demonic source than the old vampires Mm -hmm. but these new vampires are stronger so they have it it takes a lot more to get a stake through their chest Mm -hmm. and it's like wow so you mean they're like actual people now Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) oh you mean their 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 breastbones work Yes. Weird. And yeah. you can, and Weird. they can go out in the sun, right? Yeah, they're yes. in the sunlight. But yeah, I I <laughs> yeah, uh, just the and of course the scene we get 
the first real hints of, of Faith's extreme drama. Yeah. Mm. Which is but yes. you also get the hints of the fact that Faith never had a chance. Like, no, she, she really never didn't. had. A, I mean, Buffy's already. I mean, and, and they, you know, she comes to some compromises and they become friends. But I just, I, you know how much I love Buffy. But this scene, she's so, like, self-righteous. And, uh, yeah, it's a teenager. You're, you're like, me-focused. And Faith says some things about Angel and pushes at her. But, like, I just never, Faith never had a chance. They, she was never given a chance by Buffy to really, and it makes me mad at Buffy. I think part of the problem is, and this is brought up in season seven, that the two Slayers were never meant to exist at the same time. So mm. Faith believes that's why they never got along. And I think part that's partially true. She comes to Sunnydale, and this is Buffy's town. She inherits Buffy's watchers. She hangs out with Buffy's friends. She doesn't get to develop her own identity. She is never the slayer. Buffy is the slayer, and she's left over. To some extent, she has Buffy's power. The only reason she exists in this power is because of this girl in her life. Yes. It's... Yeah, and I, and I agree with that to some extent, but at the same time, I'm just, I get a little mad at Buffy. Like, no, no, I understand. Because I just, oh, we're with you, dude. like, and I get, you know, Faith is a secondary character and Buffy's our lead, but like, I don't know. I just want to take Faith home and be like, here's some good food. I bought it from the store because I don't cook, but like, like, I'm not, you know, I just, I don't even know what yeah. I'm trying to say. It's but I mean, that, I, this is what I'm just trying to explain. Like, this is partially like what faith's issues faith is never allowed to develop as her herself mm-hmm. she is never allowed to become a hero of course she was going to become buffy's mirror because she was always being compared to buffy mm-hmm. and nothing was ever going to compare to buffy in giles's eyes so and that she has so much damage that nobody's dealing with and i'm going to start getting into the watcher's council now because I know we've talked about the Watcher's Council and how much they suck before, but first of all, so this whole, like, retreat thing, Giles frames it like he has been excluded because he's, like, a pariah. Like, he he doesn't say that it's like, I wasn't invited because I'm looking after the Slayer, which would make sense. Mm -hmm. It's more like, the Watchers don't like me, which doesn't make any sense to me because Giles is the only Watcher who's actually fucking doing anything. (laughs) Like, the Watcher's Council exists to protect the Slayer. I mean, and obviously Faith's Watcher, before she gets killed, is doing something. When Buffy died, was she taken out of the line of succession or whatever? Like, do they just not care? No, obviously they do, because of what happens later in the season with Helpless. I wonder if it's not because, and I would, I have no idea how they would know this, but God knows where the Watcher's, Watcher's Council is um, at all times. But I wonder if it's because of, um, and they talk about it, because of, of Giles's relationship with Buffy and his they, his so-called leniency with her and his close with with her, she's not an asset. She's not a tool. He cares about her. But how much do they know that yet? I mean, even if they did have a problem with that, like there is a really easy fucking solution for that. We will obviously see later in the season how the council is going to deal with that. But even to start with, you would think that most watchers would become attached to their slayers, and we do. Granted, it's non-canonical anymore, but we find out in Go Ask Malice that Faith was close with her Watcher, which is one of the reasons why her death affected Faith so much. Yeah. And wouldn't it just be like, there's an entire Watcher's Council. They're all in fucking England. Why is only one of them sent to watch the Slayer? Shouldn't like maybe one or two be sent? And I mean, that way, if your Watcher freaking dies... You can't just run off. You know, there's, you know, like a backup there. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and we have no indication that the council even knows what Giles' relationship... I mean, there's no one over there watching him. He can call them every week if he wants to be like, no, she's doing fine, and not mention Xander and Willow and Cordy and the... Yeah. Like, he could still be playing it as, like, you know, everything's fine. I'm totally on top of this. No, the Slayer's doing her thing. Yeah, the setup we will get later on the season with Wesley coming in makes a hell of a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Granted, Giles isn't a watcher at that point, but it would have made more sense. Well... The Watcher's Council making sense is not really their strong point. Right, because they're the patriarchy, and the patriarchy never makes sense. Yeah, well, but... more than that, they're not just the patriarchy, they're also complete assholes. Yeah. <laughs> like the patriarchy. <laughs> Suffice it to say, if MC had designed the Watcher's Council, things would have gone Yes, things would have. Yeah. As in, they wouldn't have gotten fucking blown up? Might have gotten blown up, but it would have been sadder. Yes. <laughs> all, all this said, I have to say, if you're going to have a retreat, I mean, the Cotswolds is very nice. It's a very nice area. Take your word for it, man. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I love that Giles is so hurt, though. Pouty Giles is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kakistas does mean what Giles says it does. Mm-hmm. It, it does mean the worst. Ooh, the worst. Well, that's a that's a change. <laughs> I love. It's actually most commonly used as part of Kakistocracy. Oh, okay. ah, Which yes. means a system of government run by the worst and most unscrupulous citizens. It's become more popular in the last two years. Oh, it's so good that we have a word for what's happening. Yes. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So glad that awesome. <laughs> we could call Donald Kikistos. Yes. We're going to bring politics okay. to when, so, But when Giles says he is so old that he's got cloven hands and feet. Is, is Kakisto significantly older than the Master? Well, here's the thing. I believe this has been retconned in the comics now. Okay. Well, first of all, the Master is a lot older than a lot of sources originally said. Mm-hmm. Some sources said that he was only like 400, and Ooh. they retconned it to make him a lot older than that. Mm-hmm. But also, the Master was turned by the original vampire he he is like a first generation vampire okay okay let's say the reason i ask is i mean the way giles phrases it at least it sounds like the cloven hooves and thing is specifically a function of age yeah like it happens over time or that he's that so was the old kind, he already kind of had demon? them yeah i don't i never got that part you yeah think if that if it were, had to do with age but i mean giles specifically phrases it that way he says he's so old yeah. that yeah but in other like other um iterations of the vampire myth like um laurel k hamilton's they do have a vampire in that canon that is like a relation to homo sapiens and it, it's an entirely different manifestation. It would look mm-hmm. more like first man kind of thing instead of a sort of goat dude. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's no I've, I've never got that about kissing toast or taquitos, even though taquitos are delicious. And I love when Bumpy mm-hmm. says those things. But did he have the cloven hooves when he was, you know what I mean? Like, were the cloven hooves already there or did they grow because he got old? I, I, I've never gotten that at all. I mean, he's he's really a device in this thing. So yeah, just really, he's mm-hmm. dead now, so I don't matter. But right. still, yeah, <laughs> interesting choice in the writer's part. This uh, the first mention of our running gag of leprechauns are not real, right? Well, which is yes. super <laughs> random and not true in the Marvel Comics universe, but definitely true here. It's mentioned mm-hmm. multiple times. Then we have Buffy meeting up with Scott. Oh, Scott! Like this is I'm going to talk more about Scott here because this is a good scene i like scott hope i, I do too. Mm-hmm. too 
Scott seems like a good guy. I mean... I had a lot of hope for Scott. Like, mm-hmm. legit. It's not just playing words. I had a lot of hope for him. I liked the character. I think he played it really well. He was super charming and sweet and cute, and then things changed, but that's okay. I really love... I'm... Uh, Buster Keaton was my mom's favorite comedian, and mm-hmm. so I love Buster Keaton, and so as soon as Scott mentioned the Buster Keaton Film Festival, I'm like, I like you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, there, if there is a Buster Keaton Film Fester- Festival, you go to the Buster Keaton Film Festival. Oh, yeah. He's... <laughs> For sure. I mean, Scott, I like Scott. I don't ever like Scott for Buffy. And I think Buffy Mm. is invested so much in her normalcy that she doesn't really see Scott. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I, I think we're going to replicate a little bit of Scott with Riley, especially season four Riley, not later on Riley. I I was actually going to say that Parker is like the dark version of Scott. Mm. Okay. I can get on board with that. Yeah, I was going to say that Riley's really that like he she at first thinks he's solid and dependable and all those things. And he does have something in common because he also like fights demons and stuff. And he's actually a kind and sweet guy. And he is for Buffy for a while. Riley is for Buffy for a while where Scott was never going to be for Buffy. Well, this is why I think that Parker is the dark version of Scott, because Scott is pure rebound dude. Yeah. He, is, he is the guy, he is the nice normal guy that Buffy's going to date just to get over Angel. Mm. And he's going to break up with her very quickly because of her issues. Meanwhile, Parker, Buffy's with him because she thinks he's a nice normal guy. And of course, he turns out to be an asshole. Right. So they're mm. kind of like these two uh, two sides of the same coin. One of them being an asshole and one of them just being a good guy. Who also is apparently sublimating his own sexuality as we will find out in season 7. Which, I I will say this about Scott, even if he's sublimating his own sexuality or isn't partially aware of it, that doesn't mean he doesn't like Buffy. Yeah. Like, as a human being. He may not be like in love with her and maybe using her sort of but i don't think it's ever a question regardless of his sexuality of him trying to use buffy as a beard i think he genuinely thinks she's cool because jet yeah he genuinely is cool and smart and funny mm-hmm. and pretty and all those things so yeah, you yeah. Know. although i don't believe she has any idea who buster keaton is no, no she, she totally doesn't she definitely doesn't <laughs> just, just. Uh, very few people do yeah sadly i can't find evidence of this but I seem to recall hearing that this scene was actually cut. Apparently, Scott just bought Buffy, like, a cheap-looking friendship ring, and she mistook it for a clattering. Huh. Huh. Interesting. But they cut out the bit where she figures out that it's just a regular ring. So it is supposed to be a clattering, which I thought was a... That's a store owner who's really trying to make a sale where where it's just Mm. like, yeah, this totally represents friendship. This thing with the heart on it. Yeah. yeah. That has a very specific meaning for it. And a lot of people use it as a fucking engagement ring. Yeah, I would have, uh, I would have liked to have seen that. That would have made Scott look like less of a twit in that particular yeah. moment. And then Buffy finds out that Fate's Watcher is dead. There's, a, I mentioned this before, there's a tie in novel, which is not canon, which is called Go Ask Malice. And it's kind of Faith's backstory. And we find out her watcher is Diana Dormer. Kakistos didn't just kill Diana. Kakistos ripped her in half. Yeah. Yeah. I think that yeah. one's still considered canon adjacent. Yeah. But with, when it comes to canon, uh, the way Faith reacts. And frankly, okay, here's the thing that I think that Elijah does really well. Her terror. She does terror 
real mm. well. She really does. Um, her grief, she still needs to work on that, but she's only a child. But the way she says there isn't a word for what he did to her, honestly, letting your mind run wild is, for me, worse than what is defined in Go Ask Malice. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, this is, like, really weird to see Faith like this, because we think of Faith as, like, this badass killer. Mm. This is what, you know, she's established as later on. And this, I mean, it helps that Eliza does look so young in this. Like, she will mm-hmm. end up looking older later on in this, in just this season. She, we see her crying. Mm-hmm. And also notice in the costuming, Buffy's now playing black and pink. Faith has the pink sleeves. Yeah. So, again, another nod to the costuming, yeah. that there's a little bit of a flip there. And it's, it's a small flip because Faith has still has black. She's not got an Easter egg. Yeah. But there is a little bit of a color flip. Yeah, and we, we've talked about this before, but I mean, like, oh, counseling needs... Faith has PTSD. Uh, Everybody, has PTSD. <laughs> Everybody has like, PTSD. Everybody has PTSD. I mean, I'm sorry, this. even people like Xander and Willow, like, they've seen a bunch of shit. Like, yeah. even as much as we... Like, they all need some major counseling. Group counseling! I, I mean, is there not one psychologist working with the Watchers? Come on. Of course not. But I do not believe that there isn't one psychologist that is attached to the mystical realm. I, I refuse to believe it. Oh, I'm sure there are mystical psychologists. I think I, that would be great. I am telling you there are Wiccans all over that damn world oh, yeah. that, that also go into healthcare in that profession. It baffles me that nobody is trying to help these children. It makes me so mad. Well, anyway. I, I, I suspect that the Watchers Council just considers PTSD a normal state of being. So, yeah, yeah what do you need counseling for? You're True. supposed to be like this. I mean, I suppose it could also be that the Watchers Council does seem to want the expiration date on their Slayers Mm. because we will find, I mean, like that whole test, I'm still convinced that that's not so much a test as it is an execution for Slayers who last too long. No, I absolutely agree with you, yeah. They want these malleable young girls, and so having a Slayer with major PTSD is one that's going to make a mistake. And Mm. having one with a fully developed brain who can go, oh, no, fuck this, is probably not what you want. Yeah, I mean, even uh, Giles has PTSD. I mean, after oh, seeing Jenny, the way, I mean, like, they're all so screwed up that they can't see their own screwed up for what it is in other people. It, yeah, it's a whole thing. And we see Mr. Trick just being just fucking awesome. <laughs> He's so pragmatic. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. Well, our prayers are with him. Like, that yep. is, like, she's so great. Gorgeous. <laughs> I I am like we do get some really nice Mr. Trick episodes, but they yes. don't use him nearly as much as they could have. Nope, they don't. They really mm. I mean, this is amazing to I mean amazing in a bad way. He is the longest running character uh character of color in uh Yep. In Buffy. What? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> in Buffy, not in the Angel. Not in no, the Angel verse. Not in the Angel. But, like, think about it for a second. He's on longer than uh, Robin Wood? Yeah. Oh, is he really? Just barely. Okay. Because, I mean, like, Robin Wood is on longer, like, in terms, but not in terms of episodes that he actually appears in. Oh, so so longer, Robin's on for a longer period, but not, doesn't have as much screen time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's not shocking. He rolls in and he's like, this town is white as fuck, y'all. I know, it's oh, like well, they're acknowledging He's absolutely it right. Acknowledging it, yeah. They're acknowledging it, but not actually fixing it. Right. Doing it, yeah. yeah. And I know, like, sometimes in the commentary, they'll point out, like, there's one extra who's they called Asian 
Tom, I believe his name is. Oh, something God. like that. And they always, you know, point it out. It's like, look, it's the one Asian that goes to Sunnydale High School. Like, In Southern California, bite me. Yeah. I mean, like, it's such an unbelievable killing. But it's also fucking awesome. Faith, yeah. like, just running Kakista through with that yeah. massive trunk. Kakista Bob. <laughs> that's it folks that's all i got for this episode yeah yeah <laughs> then we move on to giles in the library you know explaining what's going on with faith and sarah's acting in this is so lovely and subtle because you can see the look on her face when she's realizing that she's doing the same thing as faith keeping this trauma to herself and that she does need to open up to giles it's at least telling him what happened. Yeah, I mean, she says it in a really matter-of-fact way, um, and it's not really addressed again, because Angel's going to be back in, like, six seconds or whatever. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it makes me a little misty. Yeah, Sarah's great. Hmm? Yeah, no, she she's really she's great. And as we said, I really like what Giles did. Like, he doesn't go far enough, but, I mean, mm. that would just turn into, like, this whole big thing of trying to deal with... I mean, like, as much as we talk about, oh my god, these characters need counseling, you can't possibly actually get into it. Though it might have actually been interesting to have an episode where one of them is sitting on some therapist's couch. It would be very, yeah. you know, final episode of MASH. <laughs> right, yeah. no, I mean, yes, all of us want, I mean, because this whole season is about two incredibly damaged girls. And yeah. how they relate to each other and are mirrors, you know, whatever. But at the same time, no, you can't have in therapy Buffy style. I guess you could do that now with like a web series, but at the time, not so much. <laughs> now I want to start that web series. Like <laughs> I want to like be there. Like which one of you guys wants to play which character, and we can just do fake therapy sessions. <laughs> Me and the Buffy I, characters. I, I I think we could do that as a podcast because I we don't could. know if any of us really look like Sarah Michelle Geller. We don't. We don't. Oh. I do, but oh, well, yeah, you know. I would like to see that, David. I would yes, I think it's the beard that really puts it, pulls it together. I, I, I will send you my blonde wig, and we can put it on you. <laughs> Buffy's gone through some changes. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, then Buffy uh, finally talks to Scott honestly, and I think they're cute. And I, I think they're not going to last long, but it's and then the big scene. Buffy goes and is finally trying to let go of Angel, and fuck it, the show's not going to let that happen. <laughs> no, not quite yet. No. Okay. Of course not. Logan, do you have anything to say about this scene? I do. Um, it is my personal belief that it was the powers that be, and not the first, uh, who brought Angel back, but that's something we can cover quite a ways away. Oh, didn't you have mm. something to say about embedded rings? Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't. Does he land right on top of that ring? He, I think does he, he does. Does he land right on top of that ring? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like it, yeah. Nude. <laughs> Nude. Just buried in his side. Or by all probability crushed. But hey, listen. <laughs> or if it's buried landing. in his side, like when, I mean, vampires have, like, better healing, but yeah. I just want to see him just, like, pluck it out and be like, the fuck? There's <laughs> new meaning to the term cockering. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Bless him. Depending on where he landed. Uh, since you brought up the powers that be. 
I have my own theory as mm. to, and it does actually tie to that. I mean, they do kind of like leave it all up in the air in this uh-huh. as to what caused it. Is it Buffy's love? Because it happens right when she comes in with the ring. The first does take credit for it. But honestly, the first does fuck all, fuck all with Angel. They just yeah. try to get him out of the way. Which he was already out of the way. Fuck it. I have a personal theory as to why, as to what brought Angel back. And it is a power that be, but specifically it's Jasmine. Okay. Girl. Hmm. When you get into season four of Angel, Jasmine takes credit for everything that happens with Angel investigations. Now, I don't believe that's entirely true, but certainly the big things, I think that she actually orchestrated. And if you think about it, if Angel is in this hell dimension, Mm -hmm. he can't father Connor, who can't father Jasmine. So I think that... Like, the powers that be definitely have the power to bring Angel back, but Jasmine's the only one who really has an invested interest in Angel coming back. So, yeah, I think it's Jasmine, and I think we'll talk about this more later on in Amends, but I think the first only takes credit for it, because the first wants to mess up what Jasmine's doing. So I do not believe in any way that the first had anything to do with it. It did occur to me, and this is because it's canon but only if you continue past this the various series i mean there's a possibility that it was twilight in some way but (sighs) oh god there's just there's just so much yeah (laughs) i I stick with the powers that be because it's show canon and i'll I'll Uh, honestly like fuck the whole twilight storyline because the whole twilight (laughs) storyline was basically the jasmine storyline just like done over again well they're running out of things to talk about yeah (laughs) so i think that we're at to final thoughts on this episode i just want to cuddle face i really like this episode and i do think greenwald did a great job distilling down to those essential things you need to know with the introductions of these characters so props to that yeah this is this is i mean this is in in a lot of ways a putting things in place episode and I think this is actually a really good example of how to do that yeah. because it's really well done because a lot of at times you watch a show and they have an episode and it's like, okay, this episode is just there to put stuff in place for later stuff. And the yeah. episode mm-hmm. itself is just a waste of time otherwise. <laughs> but this is nicely put together. Mm-hmm. And as you, as we've said, Greenwald does a really good job of introducing the characters that are being put mm-hmm. in place. I mean, he re- I mean, they, they, he really nails the introductions of these characters, and that works out really well. And I also I want to mention that that I, I just want to say this episode is actually a kind of special episode for me because, as I've mentioned previously, I did not get to Buffy until season three. I did not start oh, okay. watching. I believe this is the first episode of Buffy I ever watched. Oh, that's oh, this what? Is a good one for you to watch. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's so dry, which. It's- Gonna draw you in, yeah, for sure. So yeah. it is down to this episode that I am here with you talking Yay! about this show. <laughs> so, like Andy, I would like to cuddle Faith, um, both because yeah. Faith is really damaged, and also because she's I've really hot. Seriously, got the hots for Eliza Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a really good episode. I mean, this is not one that I skip. I, I really know. Oh, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just good for mythology, but it's. It's an enjoyable episode. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. solid. I mean, just yeah. as an episode, it, it's just a really solid episode. Just a little bit of trivia. So the title is a play on Corinthians thirteen thirteen, which is "And now abide faith, hope, and love; these three, but the greatest of these is love." <laughs> <laughs> the greatest of these is definitely trick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
there were some different titles in different countries. I will not try to read them in their native language because I will massacre them. But in French, the episode was called The New Little Sister. In German, it was New Friends, New Foes. And in Portuguese, it was Faith Comes to Sunnydale. Directly to the point. Indeed. Mm. And so for music, we've got Brian's Jonestown Massacre did Going to Hell uh, at the beginning uh, when the gang is hanging outside the high school. Third Eye Blind did the background, which was during Buffy's dream. And uh, Darling Violetta, as mentioned earlier, played at the bronze and they did Cure and Blue Sun. And we will hear them again later in every episode of Angel doing the amazing uh, opening credit song Sanctuary. And uh, Christoph Beck did Goodbye. So uh, I think that's it for this episode. Uh, a very solid episode. And yeah, no, I, I think we all really like this one. So next week, we will be talking about uh, Beauty and the Beast. Until then, grr arg. Grr arg. Grr arg. Grr arg. I'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube, Tumblr, and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. Also check out our sister podcasts, Drag Hags and the Trash Compactor podcast. See you on Tuesday. Grr. Arg.